It's high adventure with the Pirates of Dark Water. TV shows of ancient time, 13 podcasts of rule and rhyme. To find the conversations in secret places, follow where the podcast faces. On Apple Podcasts, put us on. A new day dawns for Octopon. But if they should fall into boring hands, darkness descends on all pod lands. For these riches too shall vie in the realm of I'd think you be into it, where the dunk zone lies. You know what? I was going to interrupt that, but I'm a little impressed. Hell yeah. (laughs) It's proof that I watched one of these fucking things. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your uh, wildly prepared host, Brandon Beck. I'm your definitely prepared host, Beth Scorzato. Joining us today is, uh, you know him from uh, The Wizarding Room on Twitch and formerly on the PAX stage, uh, and from seemingly every other streaming show on the PAX, <laughs> please welcome Frankie Griffin. Frankie, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. How uh, How's your how's your quarantine going? Uh, you know, uh, not great, but better than... A lot of folks, you know, <laughs> I still have a place to live. That's yeah, that's about the best I think any of us can do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't burn up in a fire, you know. Oh yay! I, I'm gonna. I'm planning on burning up in a fire in like September. <laughs> Not great. Um, <laughs> before we really get going, um, I want you to explain to our listener, uh, listeners, to our listeners, our listeners, <laughs> what the uh, what the Wizarding World live is. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, now it's a live streaming uh, show on Twitch every Friday at 8. It's a, uh, it's a late night talk show, but I'm, I'm a wizard and all the guests are magical. So, um, you know, we, we interview creatures and people uh, from reality, not from fiction, of course, because it's all real. Uh, and since, since we're on streaming, like we're now like really trying to push what we can do because on stage, it's really hard to go to the moon. But on Twitch, you you just make the backdrop the moon, and then and then and then you can be on the moon. And we actually interviewed the moon itself while we were on it uh, one time. Ooh, yeah. coming up, we're we're gonna try Who to played the moon. Uh, that was Jonathan Cho. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, very. Oh, what a sweet moon, babe. He he was indeed a sweet moon, babe, and he he had a song uh, for Feist in in response to her song about the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Fabulous. Was it called five, six, seven, eight? <laughs> no. I I don't no. I don't know if it had a name, but uh, that that's a good bitch. <laughs> um. Well, we're happy to have you here. Um. But before we get going I'm with just, uh, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say I'm just really glad your opening bit wasn't you know that energy you brought to that Facebook post that I yelled at you for. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean we've. Uh, I, I I felt like doing our. Is like the hackiest joke possible, yeah, and yeah. not in a fun, ironic way. Because I'll do the uh, the hacky thing if I'm doing it in like a fun, ironic way. <laughs> but if I'm just doing the hacky thing, 
I mean, um, you already did it on Facebook. That, oh yeah, but that's fuck. That's Facebook. Who cares? And then that's why I said, please do not bring this NRG to the phone uh, to the podcast. You got it. Yeah. No, I love the you opening. You got it. I I felt pumped for adventure. I mean, that I was that... excited. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, but he he did a whole thing on Facebook asking people to solicit questions where he just like did a bunch of R pirate jokes. <laughs> they were bad. They were, they were really. They were. They were. They were. Calling them jokes is an affront to jokes. It is strong. It is a strong word. Yeah. But speaking of strong words, uh, before we get into the topic at hand, uh, let's go through a quick round of things we're into this week, shall we? Don't worry. I'll go first. Good. Um, the thing I'm into this week is the new documentary Class Action Park, which just debuted on HBO Max, a uh, subsidiary of uh, HBO. Um, and it's a full-length documentary about Action Park, which was this theme park. Uh, Frankie, I'm, I'm guessing by the uh, sad groan you just made that you're familiar with uh, Action Park. <laughs> a bit through uh, Chris. Chris. Chris Gethard's talked about it a bit here and there. Oh well, well, uh, Gethard might as well be the narrator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, John Hodgman is the narrator, but Gethard is like one of the main interviews in the. Oh, uh, uh, nice. In the thing. We talked about this a little bit on our, uh, I think we talked about Action Park a little bit on the theme parks episode we did with CK a few months ago at this point. I'm, I'm sure we did, um, but for those of you that, that don't know, um, or, or aren't nerds for weird regional theme parks, Action Park was this theme park that uh, was in New Jersey. It was a water park. Oh yeah, it was a water park with like a, a go-kart half uh, in Vernon, <laughs> New Jersey for like 20 years that was just utter lawlessness like uh, like there were no rules basically everything was the most dangerous way you could do something uh the the image that they've used a lot in the promotion for this documentary is this water slide that has an enclosed loop-de-loop in it that just looks like one of the most cursed things ever built a closed loop-de-loop yep yeah I mean, it's definitely, and they talk pretty openly about, like, this. so all of the rides in this park were designed without an engineer. Yeah. And they were like, we, we, so people were falling when they got to the top of the loop. If the, like, if you were too small or too big, you couldn't make yeah. it around. So there was a trap door in the top so that they could get people out of it if they had to. And below that, there was a, they just put, like, some padding but then they realized when people were coming through, they were suddenly really cut up. And they realized it's because people's teeth were falling out of their heads when they would hit the top. And then we're getting stuck in the padding and then we're cutting people open. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And the guy who ran this place was just was was paying his employees a hundred dollars to try this thing out. His like 14, 15, 16 year old employees. Yeah, he, they were like, yeah, Uncle Gene was uh, down at the bottom of the slide with, with a stack of $100 bills, and he would give $100 to anybody who uh, tried it out. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's wild. Um, and so uh, there was a documentary on YouTube that came out a few years ago, I believe called Traction Park. Um, and this is the uh, fuller, uh, full-length version of that. And if you are if you are an action park aficionado like, aficionado like I am, um, there's a lot of stuff in this I had no idea about, like, Gene Mulvihill, the guy who runs it, was, like, there was a lot of, like, shady money laundering and, like, potential, like, mob involvement <laughs> happening. It was, it's, it's absolutely wild. Um, it's, and it's, it's a, it's a fun documentary that it, 
it's at the end of the day, it's mostly just talking heads, but there's some good animation and uh, it goes into a lot more depth on what was actually there and how it could break you uh, than a lot of the other documentaries I've seen, which is like honestly what I'm there for. I want to just know how dangerous this thing was. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't been to a water park as an adult, I don't think. Uh, are they still like that? Because like when I think back to because my 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 hometown had one of the first water parks and that's like what the town was famous for for a long time then it closed what was the water park uh mantica water slides i just huh. i just triggered everyone from uh northern california <laughs> but like they had a slide called the v-max which was several stories high and 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 you, you like walked up this like kind of rickety metal stairs to get to the top and then it was just open like it was it, it was an open you so you were you were jetting down incredibly fast and you had to close your legs, otherwise you would get you know smashed in the crotch at the, at the bottom. And I'm 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 shocked that more kids didn't fly off because if you like wiggled to the left or right, you could have easily just flipped out of that thing and then fallen multiple stories to your death. Yeah, I don't know. I think that like now most water I don't think there are a lot of independent water parks left for <laughs> reasons like that. No, there sure. are still water parks, but I think they're all like they tend to be more corporate or part of Six Flags or part of some oh. larger organization in which there is some oversight. It's not like, <laughs> like one of the things with Action Park was that they like didn't have insurance because no one would insure them. So they like <laughs> made a fake insurance company in the Cayman Islands what? and then like lied about it. They just like paid themselves to launder money and pretend they have insurance. That is pretty genius. And like uh, water parks don't seem to be as highly regulated as theme parks. Like, it still seems like a little bit of the Wild <laughs> West. Like, there's even, like, one of the bigger chains, like Schlitterbahn, who uh, have parks all over Texas and in some other places, I think in the Midwest. Um, they built a, an aqua coaster, which is one of those things that, like, oh, yeah. you sit in a raft and it, it sort of looks like a roller coaster and has, like, jets so you can go uphill. Um, they built one of these things that decapitated someone. <gasps> Because they just, like, put it... They were just like, fuck it, let, we'll build a bigger one. No one will notice. And almost immediately, uh, someone noticed to death that wow. it didn't work. And it's like... The fact that, th that this is... And this happened, like... Not in, like, the 70s or 80s or 90s. This happened, like, two years ago. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Beth was surprised a couple months ago when she found out I knew a lot about water parks. I mean, surprised is a strong word. I mean, I know how much you know about theme parks, and, and water parks is just a, you know, subgenre of theme park. So that, that, that is true. I almost got drowned at, at a, a water park one time in a wave pool because an adult was panicking and, like, held me under by, by, like, while they were flailing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they actually kind of talk about that in the documentary, too. A little bit of just, like, a brief thing. Wow, really? <laughs> well, no, like, a brief thing about, like, the physics of water, of wave pools, and how, like, they don't really work the same way that waves do. And that, like, <laughs> yeah. in, in the ocean, a wave will buoy you and, like, move you forward. But in a wave pool, it just kind of goes over your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and one of the lifeguards was like, yeah, I would sometimes see whole families of, like, six, seven, eight people just all go down at once. <laughs> Uh, to the point where they started calling the wave pool the grave pool. Oh, that's dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, Gethard's line about it was like, you know, usually when someone drowns in your wave pool, you 
close your fucking wave pool. <laughs> like that's it, no more wave pool. But yeah, I don't know. I, my favorite was the uh, they they mentioned that people would sometimes get wristbands that said CFS and it stood for can't fucking swim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which as as someone who once who was a lifeguard when i was a teenager and all the way through college we used to have to give t uh at summer camp we would have to give like first week of summer camp we would have to give like tests to kids for to determine where in the pool they were allowed to be and they would they would basically have to get camp fucking swim wristbands if they couldn't they didn't say that but it was i was like oh i relate to that and of course it was in westchester where i was doing these and so sometimes we would be like well you can't swim you don't get to go into the deep end you have to have this one and there was this one girl she was the most entitled stereotypical little rich brat i've ever met in my life we like told her she couldn't go in because she she didn't pass the test she couldn't swim and she got like really upset about it and was like do you know who i am do you know who my parents are she's like my parents were not gonna stand this i came to camp and i want to swim down there we're like you can't swim like you can't no and then so she just started like coming at us like personally she was like yeah well you know what you're ugly and you have a mustache and i'm Whoa. like oh well you know what you're eight and you still can't fucking go in the deep end so <laughs> savage yeah like i don't care like you can you can make fun of me all you want i'm still not letting you in the deep end and if i see you go in there i will jump in a, and and call it that you were drowning because you have gone in a section you can't go to and then you won't be allowed in the pool at all how about that I would have crumbled immediately and then that girl would have drowned. Like, I, I just, no. I was like, no, I'm sorry. You can't swim. You can't go in the fucking deep end. Stupid. I, I'd just been like, no, you're, you're, you're right. You, you are absolutely right. I am, I am ugly. I don't know what I'm doing. God, oh. I'm so stupid. You should just, you know what? I'll just do whatever you want. You're the lifeguard now. To an eight year old? Come on. Like, dude, these Westchester summer children were, summer camp kids were like, the peak, peak level of like I am a rich child and have never been told no. Yeah, and then it like it, it like came down to the underpaid camp lifeguards to teach them. I know boundaries. Yeah, <laughs> underpaid and hungover probably. Not as much during the summer, but during the school year, yes, there were many <laughs> times that we were teaching eight. We were teaching children how to swim at eight in the morning, and we were just like, oh. I was drunk four hours ago. Um, college. Though, uh, speaking of underpaid and hungover, Beth, what are you into this week? Oh, I have been desperately looking around this room to try and think of something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? No, I can't talk. We went to the drive-in this week. Um, oh, yeah, we did. Which I haven't been to a drive-in since uh, probably like 10 years, but we definitely had them where I was growing up. But I'm a little behind on this, but I hadn't seen Jojo Rabbit, neither did you. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like that's what it, we went, we, we ended up kind of late. We ended up running late because actually we had a, we had just finished taping our podcast with uh, Cash, with Cash, Cash Abu Malik when we did uh, the uh, Ralph Bakshi episode. And so we got a little late on the road and it's like 40 minutes to Mission Tiki. Did you miss the part where they explain who Hitler is and then you were lost for the whole episode? Yeah. Well, no. Well, what ended up happening was we we were going to go see the double feature of Bill and Ted Face Music, which we did actually then watch at home, um, and I enjoyed more than I was expecting, but that's not what I'm into this week. Um, it's the best one of the three. I'll have to. It, look, we need to save it. We're going to have more episodes. I can't talk about two things in this section, or I will run out of things. But yeah, we, station, I guess. We ended up running out of... Um, it, it was supposed to be a double feature of that and... Uh, 
Spider-Man Far From Home, which I also haven't seen. But unfortunately, by the time we got there, it was sold out. The only thing that wasn't sold out was the double feature of uh, The Extraordinary Life of David Copperfield, or whatever the fuck it's called, and Jojo Rabbit. The Personal History of David Copperfield is directed by Veep's Armando Iannucci. All right, whatever. Dev Patel is a great actor. It was a fucking phenomenal cast. Dickens is Dickens. It was charming. Whatever. But it was a fun evening, and I can highly recommend the drive-in. And uh, yeah, I hadn't seen Jojo Rabbit yet, and it was fucking good. (laughs) It was really good. Y'all were right. (laughs) My favorite part of the experience was uh, the little, like, marquee board. When we were driving in. Oh, yeah. You were really into that. Um, because they had to fit eight movies on a very small board. <laughs> um, our double feature was presented as D. Copper J. Rabbit. <laughs> um, which, like, if you've been sued and don't th- think you're guilty, call D. Copper and J. Rabbit. But, like... <laughs> Yeah, I had never been to a drive-in and had always sort of wanted to, and it was it was uh, super duper fun. We just didn't really have them in in North Carolina, or if we did, my parents certainly had no interest <laughs> in going to the drive-in. But yeah, it was uh, Mission Tiki up in uh, wherever Mission Tiki is, <laughs> um, somewhere in the Inland Empire. Yeah, so, somewhere in David Lynch territory, and I, I there are a lot. There are some pop-up ones happening in like. The Sears parking lot in Burbank. There was it was like one exit after the Fairplex. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it was right sort of near the. So it the must Fairplex. be near Pomona. <laughs> must be, um, but like there have been a lot of little pop up ones, but this one actually has like the the concrete is angled so you're kind so you're able to see over the cars in front of oh. you. It's just like I mean, it's a real drive-in. Yeah, it's 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 a real drive-in as opposed to just like well, we have a screen outside the the Sears this weekend. Right. No outside food. Right. <laughs> Wait, Fair. how do they enforce that when you're bringing your car? I mean, it technically there's no uh, several things at Mission Tiki that I did bring in because it's a bunch of teenagers who do not have time to search people's cars. It's nope. basically just a uh, we've said don't bring it now be chill uh, situation. Oh, yeah. Plus, it, like like you said, it was a drive in in Southern California showing Bill and Ted. Of course, people were smoking weed in their cars. <gasps> Drugs, Bill and Ted. I know, never. right? Right. It's just like I don't know. It's one of those things. I think similar to a lot of things that are staffed by uh, teenagers. It's like, look, <laughs> we've said don't do it. So as long as you're cool about it, we're cool about it. <laughs> as long as you don't make us have to address it, nobody will. And D. Copper is uh, is fun. Like I said, it was a great cast. Dickens is Dickens. Yeah. The the thesis of that movie is. What if Dickens, but we did it like Veep? Like everyone's just running around constantly. <laughs> uh, you actually pointed uh, my out my argument that was that it was a Dickens movie. It was somebody doing Dickens by way of Wes Anderson. <laughs> a little bit, which Brandon disagreed with. But well, Jojo. Well, well, I I was inclined to agree, and then Jojo Reb- Rabbit happened, which so badly wants to be a Wes Anderson movie, um, <laughs> and not in a way that I'm gonna like ding it for. It just it's you can't ignore it. Um, but the thing I was going to say is that you, you made the point that Dev Patel made the point to enter and exit every scene in this movie at the fastest speed possible. Yeah, he's running full <laughs> speed. He enters and exits every room at full speed every single time. Yeah. It's just a lot of, like, weird British character actors being, like, Dickensian weirdos. Kind of like the, it, it's, it's 
So it's like almost the sequel to the death of Stalin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I technically it would be a prequel, but (laughs) death of Stalin, another, another great, uh, Armando Iannucci is awesome. If you've never seen any of his, uh, if you've never seen in the loop or veep or, uh, I I wanted to like Avenue five more than I did. Um, or whatever it's called. I like how this was my into it, and it's just turned into Brandon listing his favorite uh, Armando, Armando Iannucci movies. <laughs> yep. Which actually, we should go back to the Armando Iannucci shows, which was no. his sketch show. In the- <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm done. Frankie, do you have anything you're into this week other than, uh, you know, yes. existential well, I- horror of life? <laughs> I am torn between Bill and Ted Face Music, which I watched last night. Um, which is really awesome. And as a, as a Bill and Ted fan, it was incredible. But I'm just really mad because I have a good joke about it, and it's I'm not allowed to tweet it yet. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you gotta save it for the episode, I guess, right? No, I just I don't want to get yelled at for spoiling oh. Bill and Ted on the internet. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But uh, in, in terms of hours sunk into it, I mean, I have to say it's uh, Divinity Two, which is this amazing. Uh, computer role-playing game um, sort of like the Baldur's Gate like top-down party base like very influenced by uh, Dungeons and Dragons but the way it's written is there's so many choices for everything that it feels the closest to like D&D that I've ever felt a game yet or like you're you're not just following narrow story paths you're actually making a lot of options like even in the first area there's like seven different very, like totally different ways to get off the the first evil island and it's super fun and the writing is amazing the music is incredible uh yeah i i, I love it I've, I've sunk almost 20 hours in the past week into that game damn yeah nice it's awesome which is by the studio who's who is making Baldur's gate 3 which i'm also very excited about oh i forgot they were making another one of those hell yeah it it, it it's i mean my hype could not be at a higher level so nice excellent excellent i can only be met or like totally let down by it those are the two options (laughs) (laughs) that's you know the sequel to my favorite game of all time spelunky comes out in two weeks and i'm (gasps) there's a sequel to spelunky yep and it comes out in two weeks What? spelunky was a red game yeah spelunky brandon still does the daily the best thing about spelunky is when you look at the stats and it's like 700 games played twice you've won (laughs) that's it two times only (laughs) <laughs> Only I'm at like four thousand. Yeah, it just like <laughs> that game just wrecks you. Yeah, I mean it's hard, but it's still, uh, yeah, it's it's still fun. I, I have never felt more worthwhile than when I beat uh, <laughs> the secret secret boss for the first time. Yeah, it was it that was, and then technically, you've played even more than the stats because some of it was on your old PS4. <laughs> because you used to play this game back in Brooklyn. That was the first time you beat it, but then you had to start a new game. And on PS3, too. Yeah, and on PS3, you had to start a new game when you got the PS4. Wow, so you, you, you've been playing this for, like, years across the Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost nearly a decade he has been playing this game. <laughs> yeah, I think I first picked it up in, like, 2012, I think. Yeah. Who have you been with longer, Beth or Spelunky? Me. S- Beth, but not by a lot. And and if you factor in the time we were broken up, it comes about, about even. <laughs> yeah, but... But still me. <laughs> well, now, uh, because Frankie made that good joke, we're going to be forced to leave that in and talk about, uh, move on to talking about Pirates of 
dark water. This show is like 1000% my shit and like so not Brandon's. Yes. Oh, really? yeah. Not in that like he doesn't like it. It just doesn't interest him. It's not, yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah, this is the type of cartoon that when it was on when I was younger, I would just immediately be like, okay, this isn't funny. I, I'm going to okay. change the channel. Yeah, fair enough. Like if it wasn't like Animaniacs or that kind of like freakazoid type tone i had no interest yeah he was a uh, brandon's much more of that whereas i am very this is this is a thousand percent my shit i didn't watch it oh, when it was great. on i've i've seen most of it in passing over the years but i was just like re-watching it from the beginning um actually this afternoon before we started because i was like i haven't watched this in a while so i watched at least the uh, first five which were the miniseries and then oh, i yeah, think yeah. i got i think i got through like the next one which is it's so funny because like you can tell stylistically when you watch them in order which five were the miniseries and which were because <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden there's a cold open and Tula changes her clothes and becomes an <laughs> ecomancer. It's like, oh shit, we need to make more story. Yeah, and and then Nidler becomes wacky. <laughs> yeah, he changes voice. He becomes uh, Frank Welker, I think. Yeah, and he becomes this wacky. <laughs> he goes from saying things like Ren. You have freed my people, and 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 your battle against slavery will never be forgotten. And he's like, ooh, ooh, I, I love Minga melons, and it's like, yeah, what happened? I mean, yeah. who among us doesn't love Minga melons? <laughs> you, you don't like any melon. I, it's not that I don't like melon; it's just that melon makes me feel like I'm gonna throw up. Okay, from a textural point of view, I, I have that with with certain kinds of melon. Watermelon, I, I don't like. It's too much water, not enough melon. Yeah, same. And there's and there's fucking rocks in it. That sucks. <laughs> okay, they're called seeds, but sure. <laughs> Whatever. All fruit has them, but sure, go off. Yeah, I will. I'll go off on uh, fruit rocks. Speaking of fruit rocks, uh, my thing I'm into this week is food rocks. <laughs> yeah, right? No. Okay, we can't go back to that. No. So, Frankie, tell yeah. us, what is it about this show that you love? Why Dark Water? To me, it's like the it's the best ad- adventure cartoon. Like even the, the the opening, yeah, like it's a it's a little bit cheesy w- with the narration, but it, it pumps you up for adventure. And it's it was it was the first cartoon that I recall seeing where like there was a, a, a like a plot arc and like a world that was evolving. Like like mm-hmm. they were gathering these treasures. You learn more about Dark Water. Bloth gets more and more evil. Falls in line with with like the, the cult of Dark Water. Like the show was, was actually evolving and building this crazy fantasy world. And I, you know, I was I was I first watched it when I was like five, and so this like blew me away. Like I I, I didn't know that cartoons you know Could do that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah because I mean kind of not to drag Brandon I mean always to drag Brandon <laughs> but not like specifically that wasn't my intent in this one but like cartoons when we were kids I think a lot were what Brandon was watching yeah. and what he was looking for and so like that's what we were used to so like I get why you didn't watch this Brandon because like it was it was very different yeah and especially to come from Hanna-Barbera 1991 like <laughs> a company that was like not making things in 1991 <laughs> now I'm sneezing goddamn yeah Brandon's having a whole day maybe he ate some of those uh, watermelon rocks <laughs> right Good thing he edits this. He's the only one who has to handle that. I'm a professional goddamn broadcaster, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, and like like me, so like I was from a very early age, like way into fantasy and RPGs. Like it. Um, my parents bought an NES like right before I was born because they like they like bought it for themselves because they wanted to play video games. But then I came along and I, re- I, I really wanted to play video games. And a game that I loved was Legend of Zelda. 
but the first one has a lot it's you know it's all text <laughs> and so yeah. uh like i was like like four and a half or so playing this and my mom had to put her foot down and be like all right look we can't rent zelda again until you can read because i can't keep reading the game to you the same opening dialogue like she you knows she, she was like very fairly like sick of doing this uh-huh. and so i like doubled down and then we like went to the to the to the video stop which our our neighbors own rip video mm-hmm. stop and i was like i i want to get zelda and my mom my mom's like we talked about this frankie can't get zelda to read <laughs> so i like read the back of the box and she was like i she like wanted to make sure that that wasn't cheating <laughs> like like as if I, I had like memorized the box so she grabbed <laughs> a different random game and made me read that and she's like, "All right, great, Zelda, that is." So, like, you know, I was, I was, I was, I really loved that kind of fantasy adventure, and like, I even watched the Zelda cartoon, which also had a lot of adventure in it. Excuse me, and princess. Yeah, it was also very silly, but Pirates of Dark Water was like a had a whole universe and a world, and it, it that that was my first real exposure, I think, to like a, a living, breathing fantasy world was Pirates of Dark Water. I, I think that too, kind of goes to something I've been thinking for a little while and that the two sexual orientations are Zelda or Mario. <laughs> and it seems like you were a Zelda. Ooh, that's, that's a strong statement. It's a strong <laughs> statement because I was also way into Mario. The two video game orientations. That's a very strong statement. And I don't think it's necessarily true, but I'm not going to get know. into it right now. Like, <laughs> um, I remember getting Mario three for Christmas because my parents got, got a really big box and put the Mario game at the bottom and then just like towels on top. And so like I, <laughs> I opened it and I was like towels. And I was like going through, it's like, what are these towels? And I was getting so upset. And then what? the bottom was Mario three. And I like exploded. Did you just start screaming Nintendo 64? <laughs> it was something like that. I think. Nice. I, I pulled a similar trick on, on Beth once when I got her a Kindle for her birthday that I put into a copy of Sarah Palin's book that oh. I carved uh, a good chunk of pages out of. He did. He did, in fact, do that. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, this this show is like a thousand percent my shit because I, too, am super into like a good adventure story yeah. and like a weird. I mean, even it's funny because I, I think that this show doesn't get enough credit for like setting the stage for adventure cartoons in a way yeah. because it wasn't super successful so no. people don't really think of it as like the predecessor but like i'm pretty sure that like if you don't have pirates of dark water you don't have gargoyles you don't even have like tailspin like tailspin oh, had a yeah. huge amount yeah. of like adventure like overarching story lore that like if you don't watch them in order you don't know about but like it really kind of set the, it kind of opened up the gates for you to uh, for us for there to be more shows that have an overarching narrative like at that time i think people really thought that like kids cartoons had to be one-offs because kids weren't going to remember a plot over multiple episodes but like pirates of dark water really showed that like no they they will <laughs> kids can follow a story weirdly there was a trend among a lot of those shows like they happened here happened with gargoyles happened with ducktales where they would start the series with a three to five part, essentially movie, and then yeah. if that went well, make it into a show from there, which which seems like an odd, uh, an odd way of pacing things. Yeah, well, like it seems like a weird like kind of waste of resources. Like 
you're gonna make all of these right. like character designs and everything and just use them for a mini series like why not at least aim at syndication but and like the one episode of this thing I watched was the first episode of what I believe was the mini series which like I was really surprised at how pretty it looked. Yeah, the first five episodes of the show are the miniseries. When they had Hector Elizondo in there. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised at how, like, even from the first moment, like, the animation was really nice. It looks good, too. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's really bluthy. Um, and and yeah. I was surprised that, like, d- does it keep that same level of quality in the actual um. show? <laughs> or is that a, is that a hilarious goof of a question? Um, yes and no. I mean, the character designs, for the most part, stay the same once it switches over to, like, the more show. So there are some character designs that change, and the most notable one is Tula, who literally has, like, a whole, look, I changed my clothes scene (laughs) that, like, everybody makes a big deal out of. Though I did, I never really thought much about it. Actually, I was watching, when I was watching the first five in this one, and she has her initial character design costume on, she ain't wearing a shirt, my dude. She is okay. just wearing some armor yeah. straight over her yeah. tits. <laughs> <laughs> yep. well, that was like when we that was like we did we just did our Bakshi episode, which was which might have been like saggy tits the movie. <laughs> like talking about Cool World. Yeah. It never got like hor- like it never got like latter seasons of real Ghostbusters bad. You know what I mean? Ooh, I I don't think I knew that that show ever got bad. Well, because th- they. <laughs> I've only ever seen the Murray the Mantis episode. Someone at the studio was like, kids love Slimer, right? And then, so like, it it literally became the Slimer show. And then, so like, there was Slimer and a gang of kids. And then sometimes you would see the Ghostbusters do stuff. Wow. We, uh, actually, when we were prepping for the Bakshi episode, we watched one of his Mighty Mouse episodes. Oh, yeah. Which was just a parody of other cartoons at the time and one of them uh at the end of the episode was like i forget what they were called but they were essentially the real ghostbusters they were the real something and they were these like very four four very similar like voltroni looking blonde dudes Uh um who all had the same voice as lorenzo music jr or lorenzo (laughs) music like it was it, it was just four of the of essentially the same voice, and that was so perfect. I'll have to go watch that. It sounds fun. Yeah, it's wild. Speaking of the voices, one of the I think like big ones that we know Tim Curry is like the voice of one of the major one of the major antagonists in this show. Yeah, and like like the voice cast on this show is like pretty fucking stacked for a show that like nobody cared about. Yeah, right. Yeah. Brock, Brock Peters is the main villain. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Who is Brock Peters? Who's Brock Peters? I think it was that kid from Duke. Oh. What? What? Why? No. Why are you? That doesn't Sorry. even. No, no, no. no. Brock, uh, Brock Peters is Cisco's father on DS9. He's Admiral Cartwright in the TOS movies. He's also like, you know, in, he's Tom Robinson from To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Oh, this guy. He's like a really famous African-American actor. Yeah, like a really great serious actor. And here he is just like having the time of his life being this insane villain. Just like, just fucking chewing the scenery as much as one can with voice acting. Hell yeah. Just absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, some, like we said, some of the voices changed between the two, um, but like, like Roddy McDowell was originally Niddler, and then yeah. you come back and it's Frank Welker. 
But I mean, Jody Benson is Tula. Jody Benson, the Little Mermaid, and Jim Cummings yep. is in it, who's you know the voice of fucking everything. everything. <laughs> Stacy Keach is in there uh, somewhere, according to the Wikipedia page. Keach, really? Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. I'm not seeing her, but okay, I believe you. Oh no, he's a he's a he. Um, there was a. I was making a reference to a Viva Variety episode that maybe six people have seen. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) That would make sense then. Yeah. I also, I also just, I love the design of this show because, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of something that like really creates a solid, like I, not that fantasy that is you know, based around our reality is a cop-out. It's not. There's some really great things that can be done with it. But, like, they really go above and beyond to make this an alien world. There are unique creatures and and a unique landmass. And, like, the world has all of this, like, deep mythology. And, like, all the different races have very specific design aesthetics. Like, it's just, it's so well-designed. I am personally obsessed I'm one of those people that's also, like, a big fan of, like, different spaceship designs, and I am obsessed with the designs of the, the ships in this show. So red. Yeah. This show, like, the Wraith is so cool. It's got that weird, like, hang glide sail. Oh, yeah. No, the ships are made, like, and Bloth's ship, like, has a sewer system with a monster in it. Yeah, because what? it's made out of the bones of leviathans, which uh, then, like, become a whole thing. Like, they later befriend a baby leviathan. Like, they have such a deep, like, nothing, as much as it is a show that I feel like in some ways feel as if it was written on the fly in like (laughs) world bible ways feels very grounded and concrete like it is an alien world that very much knows what it is all of this sounds like a fucking destiny raid Uh, kind (laughs) of i mean you know and you know the, the the sort of central like plot driver thing is that this 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 thinly veiled metaphor for oil is destroying this this planet yeah Oh, you mean the spice? <laughs> yes, the spice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but the and and then like I I have played so many fantasy games since then that are like doing the same thing. Where like the world's getting taken over and you need treasures to like seal it back up. But this this like this feels like a very like early one in it. And I feel like like how you were saying like lots of cartoon adventure shows owe a lot to Parts of Dark Water. I, f- I feel like a lot of the like fantasy gaming genre owes a, owes a lot even if it doesn't know it to like parts of dark water because like oh yeah yeah it's a lot of the same thing this is this is a show that i think had it been like it would make a really great game because it follows a lot of that same kind of game logic of let me i now must go collect the next thing i now must go collect the next thing oh yeah, yeah. like if, if if someone steps up buys the license and like hires like it uh, Larian Studios or In Exile to make a Pirates of Dark Water game. I'm sure it would be incredible. Hey man, they're making a they're making a movie out of uh, Dragon's Lair, so who knows? They are. Yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Who, uh, oh, okay. So it's, oh, so it's gonna be kind of like ironic. Well, I I don't know if he's gonna be playing Dirk or just like producing and co-writing it, but I would not be surprised if he was playing Dirk. But my thing is, we're, my point is, weirder things have happened at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, t- I would not be surprised if somehow. FMV games came back with a vengeance. FMV games. Gonna ha- gonna have all the kid, all the all the zoomers out there uh, playing Zork Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> 
one of the one of the weirdest things about this show though is as for all that it is great it does have just bizarre pacing yeah <laughs> yeah which i get that at the beginning they they didn't especially since they did start it as a five episode miniseries they didn't really have time to like let ren buy into the premise ren just buys <laughs> into it immediately old man washes up on shore next to his lighthouse tells him he's his son and washes back into the sea and ren is like cool i know what Got i'm it. doing with the rest of my life <laughs> and then he's also like so mad at bluff for being an enemy of his father like you, you met your dad for five seconds yeah like He's just, he's got this real strong connection with a dude that he met washed up on the beach. Yeah. And that he sometimes has weird dreams about. Yeah. Well, and then, like, there's also, like, 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 like again, with, with, with Niddler, who I think is kind of a weak point of the show. Yeah. He's, he's their attempt at comic relief, but it doesn't really work. He's their, uh, snarf. He, Kinda. He, yes, he's very snarf, but, like, there's an episode called King Niddler... Where he goes to yeah. an island of, of monkey birds who don't have big wings like him, and they think... Yeah, they can't fly. They think that Niddler is their, like, prophesied god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's so... It's so wacky, and it's so Yeah, odd. some of the episodes are, um... Sillier than others, and feel more like a tangent. Like, like for yeah. sure, like, the King, King Niddler episode feels like somebody <laughs> being like, well, we told uh, Welker he would have, you know... <laughs> an episode that was about him, so we gotta do something. Like, it has nothing to do with the story. No, it does not, none of the treasures are there. Like, the lots of uh, sci-fi shows wind up doing that type of episode. The, we take one of our characters and bring them to a place that's a bunch of them. Or a place where they're, like, looked at like a king. Yeah, that's true. But they already did that, that's the thing. Yeah. But that's the thing, there's already an episode like that in the miniseries. Oh, weird. Because Ren, Ren frees Niddler's people from slavery, and Niddler, who's played by, at that point, Roddy McDowell... In, like, episode three. <laughs> ha- ...has this heartfelt monologue about how freedom is great and how Ren is a hero forever to the monkey bird people. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then Ren pees on the electric fence. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so uh, this is... I mean, I know we're a little deep into the episode for this, but I did realize that we have not really told people who don't know what this is the premise of this show. <laughs> <laughs> 43 minutes in, baby. <laughs> well, you, you want to take a crack at it, Frankie? You, you yeah, take a crack yeah. well, at explaining so the uh, premise of Pirates of Dark Water. It's set on this alien world of Myrrh, which is, of course, a word for ocean. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's this, like, mostly sea-covered planet where, like, piracy and seafaring are kind of the thing for everyone. There are 20 seas of Myrrh. <laughs> yeah, there are 20 seas, which gets referenced, and I thought that was fun. You know, that's a fun, like, uh, rent. Ren even says, like, you've handed me across the 20 seas when he's, like, giving Bloth a talking to. But it's, uh, it's, it's this young guy, Ren, has to collect the 13 treasures of rule, which can be used to seal the dark water back from whence it came beneath the waves. And he he, he has this cool pirate sidekick, Ios, and this also cool lady pirate sidekick, Tula, and then... Fucking Niddler. And then, yeah, and then Niddler, who loves Minga Melons, just this cheat monkey bird who won't leave him alone. But so he, they go on adventures, uh, getting these treasures, fighting Bloth. But then, like as the series goes on, you find out that the Dark Water is actually like a sentient evil, and he has this cult who helps him. Yeah, from the Dark Dweller, he like lives under the ocean. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a lot like Tim Curry's character in, in Fern Gully. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, 
But yeah, basically, I mean, anybody, if you, the, the, the thing Brandon did at the top was, uh, the opening, opening dialogue of the, the thing, which does pretty much, it just tells you exactly what it is. It's one of those openings that sets up the premise in the credits and just says, this is what it is. Which is fine, although... Plus, now we all know what Octopon is up to. Well, Octopon <laughs> is the name of the city. It's the kingdom, yeah. It's okay. the kingdom. But, like, sure. that's... So, it's weird, though, because as much as I just gave this show, like, a lot of credit for, like, its design aesthetics, it did not extend that to language, and all of their, <laughs> like, words and cities and stuff are just, like, very Latin root. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, they're very Latin-based. Although I did notice recently that um, that the dead king, when he appears, he appeared in a vision and he was wearing his crown. It only had six arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he has two arms. I guess. <laughs> the crown had six arms. But yeah, the idea is that Octopon was like this big shining city right. that was more technologically advanced than others. And, and we do see that come back a little bit. Yeah. Um. Well, and... Uh, I'm sure that you would have seen it come back if they'd been allowed to finish the story. Yes, I was going to say, which I think we see it come back a little bit after they discover the first seven treasures, right, which right. is what the original... They they kind of finished out the first, so th this is a good place to tell people who don't know. Uh, they <laughs> So there were 13 treasures of rule that needed to be discovered. In the show, they ultimately only discover eight before the show got canceled. The first seven were the seven that his father had also had, and then, like, sent off with his seven captains to different places to hide them. So, like, the initial seven that his dad had had, they do recover, and then that kind of restores their city a little bit, but not a lot. We don't spend a lot of time in Octopon. Then, what would have been season two, they sail off, they start finding more treasures, they had six left, you know, and they got eight, and then the show got cancelled, and it's just never finished. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's such a bummer, because, like, like um, there was... <laughs> At the same time, another pirate show with Tim Curry in it called <laughs> Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates, which was this like, and uh, he he played Captain Hook, but they got they got sixty five episodes in, in a single season, Ooh. and it's like definitely not as good. Were they eleven or twenty two? Because these are all twenty two minute episodes, which is also they were twenty two. Oh wow! Yeah, they got sixty five episodes for this like way worse pirate show. I mean, it's it's still pretty good as like as like yeah. a, a Peter Pan adaptation, but like it, it's it's just like why couldn't they put a give them just give them money for one more twelve episode season? I get that this was at the end of like Hanna Barbera really producing a lot, and yeah. the last eight episodes actually didn't even air on oh. ABC. Like the first thirteen, they aired in first run syndication as part of the fantastic world of Hanna Barbera. <laughs> Which wasn't exactly Hanna Barbera's creative zenith. Yeah. So, but my, but it is kind of a shame because it, it is one of those things where, with there being thirteen treasures, like this show had a clear ending. Like there was a clear round story that could right. be finished. Yeah. It could have been finished. And you know, the, funny enough, the guy who made this is the guy who wrote and created Fievel. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Well, that could tell you why it looks very John Bluth. The Fievel is low on the list of Don Bluth movies that terrorized me. <laughs> Fair. We've all been personally victimized by at least one Don Bluth movie. It's usually the Rats of Nim, but not always. Uh, I mean, uh, the All Dogs Go to Heaven. For some people, it's Fern Gully. For my uh, college freshman year roommate who made the mistake of getting very high and then coming to watch Fern Gully with us, it's that for her because uh, Tim Curry came out, came oozing out and she <laughs> lost it. She was like, nope, can't be in here. 
<laughs> Some above me. Yeah. Oil down below. It's so good. Speaking of uh, Pirates of Dark Water video game, I could have sworn that there was one, and turns yeah. out I was right. They made one for the Super Nintendo. Which is the better one. And then they made a shittier one for the Sega. Well, I mean, that was usually the case if they did both. Yeah. Um, but it looks, it looks to be a very classic uh, Streets of Rage style brawler it is pretty much streets of rage yeah <laughs> like like to the point where the final boss of bluth is he's like sitting in a chair watching you fight the sub boss and then he gets up which is exactly how like streets of rage 2 goes classic blort <laughs> like it's not the, the video games of it are not good is my point they're not what i would be interested in from a pirates of dark water game like yes there is a lot of fighting in pirates of dark water because they are inherently pirates and there's a dude chasing them around the world but it's not the point of the show right. like you, you don't you don't tune in to watch ren punch seven different colors of the same pirate that's not really why you watch the show that's true you tune you tune in to watch ren punch stimpy no 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 I'm glad that both of us gave that nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. It didn't. It was not. Also, don't forget that John Kay is now canceled for being a horrible pedophile. Oh, we've actually talked about that a lot over this series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's sort of been like a specter floating over this thing because it's it's almost impossible to talk about late 80s, 90s, and then even into today animation without yeah. bringing up John Kay. Yeah. And it sucks because John Kay is a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, but that, I, I was a big Ren and Stimpy fan. And I feel like Spongebob Same. owes its entire existence to yep. Ren and Stimpy. Well, actually, Spongebob kind of owes a lot of his existence instead to uh, Rocko's Modern Life, which we also talked about in the Rocko's Modern Life episode. Because Steven Hillenburg worked on Rocko, and then he went on to create Spongebob. We did a Spongebob and a Rocco episode, so... <laughs> the new Rocco uh, was su surprisingly good. Okay. All right. Um, and has, like, a surprisingly empathetic trans storyline, which I wasn't expecting from the Rocco movie, but here we are. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. If you had to pick a favorite episode of Pirates of Dark Water, Frankie, as much as this is not a show that I feel should be watched out of order... King Midler! <laughs> Yeah, right, King Nidler. As much as I don't feel like this is a show that should be watched out of order, if somebody really wanted to go do that. <laughs> um, I mean, the one where you meet, the one where you meet the the the, the evil sentience behind Dark Water is pretty awesome. But I think the episode where uh, the uh, where Bloth and Ren are forced to team up because they're like captured by this like almost like old. Star Trek villain? Yeah, Soul Stealer. It's the second to last episode. Yeah, that that one's really great. And like, that's also like, you don't see that kind of writing usually on a kid's show, <laughs> where like they like thought they thoughtfully had to put together the the hero and the villain. And like, it's 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 a great example of both their characters. And it's got like weird creatures, and it's a weird setting. And it, it I don't know if it's a good entry point to the series yeah but it is it, it is a fantastic episode on its own yeah oh wait no i am wrong i apologize i was mistaking the soul stealer the soul stealer is the one where they swap bodies oh they're at the body swap one which is also <laughs> which is great. also a weird one yeah uh but uh no the one you're talking about is the the game players of undar yes yes they blackmail ren and bloth and chain them together 
to compete against people in like a gauntlet. Wait, now wait, I have to check because I want to see if that came before or after the Star Trek Next Generation episode where Picard and Crusher are. It aired November 29th, 1992. I can tell you that. That episode came before Star Trek. So maybe Star Trek ripped it off. I don't know. Well, um, uh, one of my favorites is also a later one. It's actually before the Soul Stealer. It's Sister of the Sword. And it's where you meet, you meet Ayaz's sister, Solia. Yeah. And she's just as big of a fucking little shit as Ayaz is. And yeah. I love it. No, oh, I'm obsessed. And she also looks like an extreme amount like Ayaz. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's very on the nose design, and I love her. That would be my favorite. But I would say anybody who wants to watch this, you gotta watch them in order because there is a big yeah. overarching story. But like they're easy to knock out. There are 21 episodes. They're 22 minutes each. There's at least like 90 seconds of every episode that is just the intro, and you can skip it. Uh, <laughs> once you've learned the premise of the show, you don't need to watch it every time. So it's an HBO intro. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but not nearly as long. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I you can torrent them. They're out there. That's how I got yeah. these new yeah, ones. It just, it's, it's still a fun adventure. It is. It is a fun adventure, and I would love to get it finished. I would love to see somebody take that, like, remake it and finish it one day. I think it would be rad. I'm sure someone has pitched that as a comic book series or something at this point. I Yeah, no, I don't think it ever was a comic. Um, I don't think it was popular enough to, to get a comic, but... Right, but I'm sure someone has probably pitched that at some point. Actually, looks like it, it looks like Marvel, Marvel did a comic book for it. Oh. But it was, like, at the time, so who knows if it was any good. Well, I'm still going to have to go look for that. Go look for that. That explains the why the Pirates of Darkwater are in, in Endgame. <laughs> Is what, Brad? That it wasn't a good joke. Okay. <laughs> it, it it just it wasn't. I I said it and then I was like, oh well, nobody really heard that. Fine, great. And then you guys asked me to say it again, and I was like, oh, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this bad joke. And you still haven't said it, but you have spent about thirty seconds explaining why it was bad. Yeah, which like have that's my entire like that's my whole deal. <laughs> All right. Let's talk let's talk about my weird feelings on a thing for a very long time. Excellent. Well, if you want to talk about yourself some more, Brendan, where can people find you on the internet? <clears throat> uh you can find me across the internet at Hell Yes Brandon uh on all of the things. Uh, I've got some music on SoundCloud. I've got the Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour third Wednesday of every month on twitch.tv slash pack theater. Uh, and Inkblot is on YouTube and SoundCloud. That's all. Nice. Well, thank you, Frankie, so much for joining yeah, us yeah. to talk about Pirates of Dark Water, even though Brandon's jokes are bad. Um, <laughs> if people wanted to find more of you or Wizarding World or all of your great stuff online, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, please uh, check out uh, Wizworld, which is every Friday, 8 p.m., but also, you know, the, the, the episodes stay up. You can go watch them um at twitch.tv slash wizworld live and in fact it's wizworld live on every platform twitter instagram follow us there uh we have a podcast starting to roll out some more episodes the wizworld live podcast uh and that's kind of all i really do now <laughs> is that so please please if you're gonna follow me anywhere go follow me there please 
All right. Uh, I still have no plugs, let's be real, but you can find me everywhere online at at B-Scores, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S, and then with an underscore at the end. Uh, Though the easiest way to find me would be probably to follow the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, which is where I post all our Instagram content because I didn't want to make a separate Instagram. Uh, You can also follow the show on Twitter at at IntuitPod. We're also available on Facebook. You can find all the different ways to listen to us um, through our link tree, which can be found in our profiles just about anywhere uh and thank you as always to kaylin west and tiny stills for the use of our theme song starting over is a lot like giving up off the album fallen is like flying that's all i've got oh i'm just gonna touch this cat again (laughs) this is how every episode ends by the way just me getting really excited about the cat yeah (laughs) he's just perfect he's right here and he's so sleepy and big Well, Frankie, thank you uh, so much for joining us on this uh, splashtacular adventure on the high seas. <laughs> Just don't let the dark water touch you or you're fucked. Uh, you're fucked. <laughs> and, unless you have one of the treasures, which just ambiguously makes it fine. <laughs> so all that being said, from the foggiest cliffs of Dover to the murkiest swollen anymore. seas, you know the podcast is over. Is, Sailor's what? Delight. Okay. Sailor's in, Delight. End of podcast. Uh, end of show. Podcast <laughs> over. That's how. I, that's it. Don't Nailed it. Don't you wait, you yeah. talked, Brandon. It was terrible. <laughs>